This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Jesse. And welcome to the SFF Audio Weather Forecast. <laughs> no. We figure, well, we, we started the service last week. I don't see how <laughs> we can stop it at this point. For all we know, a third of our listeners have tuned in for the weather. No. All right, then. We're done with that. Okay, luckily I have some new releases here, but I only have a few. It, that's yep. okay. All right. Well, here's one um, that should excite you. All uh, right. The first Hugo-winning novel, I think, uh, The Big Time, Ooh. by Fritz Leiber. Wow. Yep. Uh, performed by Suzanne Torin. Um, have you ever worried about your memory because it doesn't seem to recall exactly the same past from one day to the next? Have you ever thought you might be changing because of forces beyond your control? Have you ever thought that the whole universe might be cr a crazy, mixed-up dream? If you have, then you have hints of the change war. It's been going on for a billion years, and it'll last another billion or so. Up and down the timeline, the two sides, spiders and snakes, battle endlessly to change the future and the past. Our lives, our memories, are their battleground. And in the midst of war is the place, outside space and time, where Greta Forzane and the other entertainers provide solace and R&R for tired time warriors. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's Not public domain. Is it? Yeah. yeah I just saw, spotted it on Gutenberg. That's, that's terrific. The, um, the, uh, this is via Brilliance, is it? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's been on. It's been on Audible for a long time. Yeah, I think it was yep. one of their first, um, their first uh, Audible Frontiers titles. I remember yeah. seeing it pop up, and I was very excited about that. Right. Yeah. I've never read it, so I'm. I am actually. Yeah, I've I've read it. Um, it won. I mean, it's a short novel, so you know, when I was doing those Hugo's, uh, that column for the Fix Online, uh, the Big Time was one of the ones that I read. Oh, I thought you were only doing short stuff. Well, this was a short thing. It, it, I think it was an... You know, I, I'm pretty sure it won Maybe short it's novella fiction. length? Yeah, I think it's novella length. It's uh, four hours and 46 minutes. Yeah, it's a short novel. Yeah, it's a short novel. So, I, 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 It just sounds so good. It, it, the notations here, it says, The Big Time is a vast cosmic backstory, hidden behind a claustrophobic front story with only a few characters. And later on it says... In the Wikipedia entry, it says the plot takes a form of a locked room mystery. It just sounds like you know huh. that's exactly what I'm looking for. You know? Yeah, yeah, love that sort of stuff. And I, I've had mixed luck with Fritz Leiber, but um, I, I have I, too. I, I'm hit and miss with him. Um, but I when he hits, he hits good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't read the. Um, he did the the Fafford and the Grey Mouser. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and those are also available in hard copy and on Audible. Yep. Um, they've been on Audible for a while. Uh, now, that that might be the case that that's not a particularly good um, uh, example of what makes a good audiobook. Those Fafford and the Grey Mouser books, um, they make amazing, amazing comics. Uh -huh. They're very visual, you know, very visual orientated, uh, but they're also very wordy. And it's some sometimes books work better on the page than they do in audio. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I really enjoyed them when I read them in paper, and I 
didn't get into them in audio at all for some reason. I don't know. Hmm. But okay. I'm looking forward to giving this one a shot. All right, cool. Okay, and the next one is um, <laughs> not a classic, brand new. Uh, Death's Excellent Vacation. It, uh, looks like, <laughs> it looks like a collection. Uh, Charlene Harris, Katie McAllister, Janine Frost, plus Lilla St. Crow, Jeff Abbott, and others. Includes a never-before-published Suki Stackhouse story. So this is oh. all, all new ter- all new tales of paranormal R&R. Performed by Christopher Lane and Amanda Ronconi. Oh yeah, here's the list of uh, stories on the back. Well, this you know I'm taken aback by it. I flipped it over and there's actually a contents list that looks just <laughs> somebody's like, listening, just like the front or the first page of a collection. Um, nice. What you've got is um, an introduction, and then Two Blondes by Charlene Harris, The Boys Go Fishing by Sarah Smith. One for the Money by Janine Frost. Meanwhile, Far Across the Caspian Sea by Daniel Stashauer. The Innsmouth Nook by A. Lee Martinez. Safe and Sound by Jeff Abbott. Seeing is Believing by L. A. Banks. The Perils of Ephraim by Katie McAllister. Thin Walls by Christopher Golden. The Heart is Always Right by Lilith St. Crow. Demon in the Dunes by Chris Grabenstein. Home from America by Sharon Newman. And lastly is Pirate Dave's Haunted Amusement Park by Tony L.P. Kellner. I think I need to read or, or listen to Pirate Dave's Haunted Amusement Park. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. You know, what's funny is um, I actually bought a, Stu- a Suki Stackhouse book today. So what is a Suki Stackhouse book? Oh, Suki Stackhouse is the character from uh, uh, the True Blood series, the television ah. series. Oh, of course. Okay. Um, I have not seen and, that series. But. Oh, it's it's very, very good HBO. Mm-hmm. But the um, the thing was, is I was at the bookstore. We were at the big, big box bookstore today. And uh, I said to my niece, you can get anything you want, of course. And she was looking around and, and she thought, oh, this is a nice cover. And I said, oh, yeah, that's I've read that. That's a good one. And so I bought her it. Um, it's uh, I actually got the audiobook version. I said I do have the audiobook version. He says, "Well, I want a paperback." And I said, "Okay, that's fine." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a it's a very good book. I haven't read any further in the series, but uh, if if it matches the television sh- show, uh, which I believe they do one novel per season, um, it's very very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so this should be fun. Well, it's nice to have a collection like that. Yeah. Yeah, I've been following George R. R. Martin's blog. I know we bring him up often, mm-hmm. um, but um, they've started filming a Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and uh, he kind of keeps people updated on his blog and what's going on. Which reminds me of a, a subject I wanted to bring up. You know, we mm-hmm. we've talked several times about fat fantasy, and and mm-hmm. I ke- I keep saying, you know, but that's what the people want. You know, that's what people want to read. Uh, you know, that are in the fantasy fantasy readers, you know, they they yep. like the fat fantasy and they like walking around. Well, the, the last time it came up, I remembered that um, The Stand by Stephen King, which is one of my favorite books, it originally came out and it was about 800 pages long. And um, that was, I think, the third novel he published. Um, I could mm-hmm. be, I could be wrong. I thought it, I thought it went Carrie. 
uh, Salem's Lot, and then The Stand. You mean under his own name? Yes. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, because he didn't publish the Bachman books until later, did he? I don't. Uh, think, well, I they don't... came out in the seventies. Um, um, I think he wrote them in the seventies, but I don't think they came out. I think he was publishing them, even though he wrote them in the seventies. They came out um, later. Okay. So. But then he republished, I can't remember what year he did it, but he republished The Stand once he was, you know, famous and had uh, influence. He said, you know, I want to put, I I cut 400 pages out of this book because the editor made me do it. So I'm going to put those back in, and then out came this thing called The Stand, Complete and Uncut. Yeah, it came out in 1990. Okay. The release. Yeah, and of course I grabbed it and read it and loved it again. So... Um, but in that book, he wrote a preface, and in the preface, he described, he defended himself against critics, and, and I've got it right here. I actually, okay. uh, the, the book is um, in my storage unit. I've got some boxes of books out there, but so I, I found it here on Amazon. Um, but let's see. I'm trying to decide where to start here because he... He talks about how um, he, he knows he's going to get uh, criticized. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, after all, okay, this is uh, in the preface, part two, to be read after purchase. <laughs> in the first part, he says, hey, if you're expecting this to be a new book, it's not. You know, Hopefully you're reading this before you are shelling out any money, because mm-hmm. this is the same book, and the characters aren't any different or anything like that. Um, so if, you, if you're expecting something new, don't buy it. And then he wrote part two to be read after uh, purchase. Um, but he says, uh, The Stand was a long novel to begin with, and this expanded version will be regarded by some, perhaps many, as an act of indulgence by an author whose works have been successful enough to allow it. I hope not, but I have to be pretty stupid not to realize that such criticism is in the offing. After all, many critics of the novel regarded it as bloated and overlong to begin with. Okay. Um... So what he he goes on to say, I won't read the whole thing, he goes on to say that uh, approximately 400 pages of the manuscript were deleted from the final draft. The reason was not an editorial one. Um, If that had been the case, I would be content to let the book live its life and die its eventual death as it was originally published. So he's saying it was production costs that made, uh, that forced their hand to make him take this stuff out. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now this is the part that um, I wanted to talk to you about. It says... If all of the story is there, one might ask, then why bother? Isn't it indulgence after all? It better not be. If it is, then I've spent a large portion of my life wasting my time. As it happens, I think that in really good stories, the whole is always greater than the sum of the parts. If that were not so, the following would be a perfectly acceptable version of Hansel and Gretel. (laughs) Hansel and Gretel were two children with a nice father and a nice mother. The nice mother died, and the father married a bitch. The bitch wanted the kids out of the way so she'd have more money to spend on herself. She bullied her spineless, soft-headed hubby into taking Hansel and Gretel into the woods and killing them. The kid's father relented at the last moment, allowing them to live so they could starve to death in the woods instead of dying quickly and mercifully at the blade of his knife. While they were wandering around, they found a house made out of candy. It was owned by a witch who was into cannibalism. She locked them up and told them that when the ki- when they were good and fat, she was going to eat them. But the kids got the best of her. Hansel shoved her into her own oven. They found the witch's treasure, 
and they must have found a map too because they eventually arrived home again. When they got there, Dad gave the bitch the boot, and they lived happily ever after. The end. And then Stephen King continues. I don't know what you think, but for me that version's a loser. The story's there, but it's not elegant. It's like a Cadillac with the chrome stripped off and the paint sanded down to dull metal. It goes somewhere, but it ain't, you know, boss. Mm. And then um, he just says, the next thing he says is he didn't restore all 400 pages. Some of it was best left on the floor, <laughs> but he restored most of it. So, Well, uh, I, think, I think that the case can be made for long, long books. Uh, but then again, that is, the stand is just one book, right? It's not yeah. a series. Mm-hmm. And it could have been, you know, you could have strung it into four books and made it a series, and it would have been the same size, but just in four four separate volumes. Um, but the thing is, is the trend is not to tell more story uh, in more pages, it's just to make more pages, is what I would say. Right? Okay, well, I, I, don't think, I don't think that George R. R. Martin is doing that, though. I, I I just think like I, I, the first book I read I I enjoyed it but it was it it was m- more air than content and I, it no moved. But, but what you're what, what you're and, calling air Stephen King calls um, what did he call it he said the story is there but it's not elegant and I I agree with that a hundred percent you know when I yeah. when I read but the, then again Game no matter Thrones, what version of Hansel and Gretel you get right it's not Five thousand pages. It's only like well, it's not, but it's pages. it's longer than the paragraph. That's because true. you can tell the story in the paragraph. I can tell you the story of the stand in a paragraph, but the the story, just like in George R. R. Martin, The Game of Thrones. When I read that thing the first time, I was not thinking, "Oh, I wish this would stop because I am so bored," or mm-hmm. "I wish you know he would just get on with it." I never thought that. No. Yeah, so if, if if you're not, I mean, I'm just saying that, that fantasy readers, that's what they want. It's it's as much about placing, not not really yourself, it's, it's as much as experiencing the setting and the characters and everything. Getting lost in the world. And, getting lost in the world, right. Yeah. More than just the plot needs to turn every, you know, however often it does. <laughs> I, I, I can't begrudge anybody that. Uh what I what I can say though is that there are there are people who who don't read stories for their for getting lost in them. They read them for their ideas, mm-hmm. their, their idea content. Yeah, but and they're not they're the, not going to read fantasy though. They're not going to read uh, epic fantasy. I I think there is a a way that fantasy can speak in in ideas as well, but it's it's much subtler. It's much subtler than. Well, in, in, in George R. R. Martin, I can understand what you're saying. In George R. R. Martin, what you'd be reading, um, if you were looking for ideas, you would be looking at the the politics of it and the the political intrigue, maybe, that goes on in it. But um, it's a story about people, really. You know, yeah, there it's, are... a, it's a story about characters, mm-hmm. you know, characters in a, in, in inter, intersecting with each other. And that is not... Uh, at its core, about ideas, and right. if if it is a novel of ideas, then you, you know you're looking in the wrong place. And I think that's what makes science fiction uh, shorter generally, and fantasy, fat fantasy, longer. I mean, even short fantasy stories tend to be longer than short science fiction stories, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but there just aren't as many short 
fantasy story. Well, it, it could be too that um, you know, in a fantasy, you've got uh, stuff to establish. You know, you're yeah. you're dealing with uh, a world that is different than our own, and you've got to say, well, this is how it's different. Somehow, you've got to do that in an interesting way. And in a science ah. fiction story, there. You know, I, I think science fiction stories talk to each other more than fantasy stories talk to each other. Um, but in a there's science no fiction, neat, there's no neat cookie cutter that yeah. you can you know apply to all books or mm-hmm. anything like that. And if you think there is, and there's always bound to be some exceptions. You know, I could I could throw you Stranger in a Strange Land. It was it was released as an unexpurgated unex- version, or however you pronounce that uh, word, yeah. unexpurgated. Unexpurgated, yeah. And I, right. I only know that because of Monty Python. Thank you very there much. There you go. That's how I learned my grammar. <laughs> okay. Um, so, in that version, version it's much, <laughs> yeah, much longer. It's much mm-hmm. longer. Um, does it add much more content? Well, I guess, but that novel wasn't, uh, it wasn't speaking to me the way it spoke to some people. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it, but um, I didn't want more content. I wanted less. Uh, and I, I think, you know, it, just, you know, the case is you can't apply a cookie-cutter solution. Right. But I can tell you that there are a lot of books out there that use a lot of... Um, this is this is my un, untested hypothesis, okay? Mm-hmm. That people are writing to, to the, the width of the uh, supermarket... Um, uh, bookshelf uh-huh. with you no know, thickness, right? The thickness of the you, you you fit two two of these paperbacks in that spot. If it's if it doesn't fit in that spot within two paperbacks, it's not going to sell as much, and that's mm-hmm. just sad truth, right? Just like having a boring cover or a boring title doesn't sell as well. Well, yeah, fat fantasy that, writers are not doing that though. No, but if they were, they would be uh, they would be cut. But in the same way, they're catering to their their audience, which is I want a big thick book, right? They they don't even, you know, my theory is that people don't most people don't spend a lot of time researching what book they're going to buy. Mm-hmm. The majority of people don't spend a lot of time researching; they just buy on impulse, and that may even be true of fat fantasy because. I've been in the bookstore and I've seen a book that I said, "Oh, that looks interesting," right? Mm-hmm. And I've never even read the the title, you know, read the author before. I don't know anything about it except what it says in the front and the back, what's with the pictures on it, and you just buy on impulse. And one of the keys to, you know, just like we talked with um, with Alan Castor about, you know, he's changed his sales model to fit the new dynamic, which is you can't sell individual CD length stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You have to multiple things or it won't sell right mm-hmm. because he he's working with the predominant part of the market which is audible and audible sells mostly using a credit system people don't want to waste a credit on something this short when they could get something this long mm-hmm. and the same same is true with dollars right people okay. think yeah. i'm going to get a big thick book uh it's going to satisfy me for a certain amount of time but i think that that leads to a uh a problem with the book you know that well, they're just not being if, if your hypothesis is correct then what do you predict will happen as ebooks become more and more prominent i think that we will get much more varied lengths in books if, just if various e-books, lengths it's not like varied lengths they'll just yeah. get shorter right stephen king books will maybe bulk up a bit more if that's possible mm-hmm. and and uh, other people will shorten down
And, you know, you do see that a little bit. I mean, uh, Subterranean works on uh, on the, the stuff that's uh, quite a bit shorter, generally, than, than the big, thick stuff. And yet they do the thick stuff as well. They just, they, you know, they get to pick and choose a little more than the big, the big companies. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. Well, all right. Well, Shall uh, I go on? That's a big detour. Shall <laughs> <laughs> I detour? Well, I've only got three more of those new releases. Okay. Well, so well I'm sure we'll find something to argue about in there too. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> all right. Uh, Outlaw of Gore. This is the Gorian Saga number two. Uh, we brought up number one not too long ago by John Norman, mm-hmm. um, performed by Ralph Lister. Um, in the second volume of the Gorian series, Tarl Cabot finds himself transported back to counter-Earth from the sedate life he has known as a history professor on Earth. He is glad to be back in his role as a dominant warrior, and back in the arms of his true love yet. No, his true love, period. Yet, Tarl finds that his name, Angor, has been tainted, his city defiled, and all those he loves have been made into outcasts. He is no longer in the position of a proud warrior, but an outlaw for whom the simplest answers must come at a high price. He wonders why the priest kings have called him back to Gore, and whether it is only to render him powerless. There's a movie version uh, with a very, 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 very low rating on IMDb. (laughs) 1.6 out of 10. And it's called Gore? It's Outlaws, uh, Outlaw of Gore or Gore 2. I see. Um, So... Right. Uh, I think we'll go with the audiobook first. Hmm. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, um, the next one is Palimpsest by Catherine M. Valente. Now, we talked about this before because mm-hmm. we were saying this is the only Hugo nominee that of the novels that wasn't out, but it was on its way out, and here it is. Um, so this is one of the novel nominees this year. Um yeah, and that's this month, isn't it? Down in Australia. A lyrically erotic spell of a place where the grotesque and the beautiful reside and the passport to our most secret fantasies begins with a stranger's kiss. Between life and death, dreaming and waking, at the train stop beyond the end of the world is the city of Palimpsest. To get there is a miracle, a mystery, a gift, and a curse. A voyage permitted only to those who've always believed there's another world than the one that meets the eye. Those fated to make the passage are marked forever by a map of that wondrous city tattooed on their flesh after a single orgasmic night. <laughs> so there you go. Um, uh, you know what a palimpsest by... is? I do not. It's uh, in Latin word uh, meaning... Uh, scroll that has been scraped clean and reused. So uh-huh. you've got, you know, you've got like your paper, and paper's really expensive. So you you write on it, and then you say, uh, "We're done with this. We can scrape it off, and you scrape it, scrape it off, and you use it again." So, um, uh, anyway, so it's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a Greek uh, Latin word, and it says, um, it, "I guess it gives that extra layer of." Mm-hmm. Meaning to the title, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe she wrote the book and then... Oh, no, that, that didn't work. I'll rewrite it. <laughs> That's a neat word, yeah. Yeah, it's fun. And it's performed by someone who I haven't uh, heard before. Her oh, yeah. name is... I'm going to... I have no chance of pronouncing it right, so I'll just spell it. A-A-S-N-E. 
And her last name is V-I-G-E-S-A-A. Okay. So that's from uh, Brilliance and Audible, I believe. Nice. Yep. And the last one I have is uh, Day by Day Armageddon, Beyond Exile by J.L. Bourne. Read by Jay Snyder. Um, It says, Start Intercept. Armies of undead have risen up across the U.S. and around the globe. There is no safe haven from the diseased corpses hungering to feed off human flesh. But in the heat of a Texas wasteland, a small band of survivors attempt to counter the millions closing in around them. Intercept complete. Nice. (laughs) So, that's that. So, a zombie novel. More zombies. Zombies. Or zombie-like. 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 Yeah. I was zombie-like earlier today. But (laughs) I'm feeling much better. I was just tired. Not enough coffee, probably. Not enough time. (laughs) Yeah, I hadn't had that coffee yet. Got up too Uh, too early. I happened on something that was kind of interesting. I I don't know how I happened on. I was researching some book I was going to purchase. And uh, I happened across uh, a factoid that may be of interest. Really? the stainless steel rat. Oh, you have the, yes. heard the stainless Very steel rat. Yep. Right. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, the concept of this as an audiobook, and it is showing up in pre-orders on um, on Audible, uh, not on Audible, on Amazon, um, and Brilliance audiobooks. So no it's kidding. showing. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it looks like the entire series too. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so, I just have I've got one here. In I, I have the the August opening 3rd. the opening scene is uh, seared into my mind for some reason, where Jim DeGriz is sitting there at his desk, and this robot comes in to arrest him, and a safe drops on the robot. Nice. He has it all rigged up. <laughs> anyway, so it actually shows a uh, stainless steel rat unabridged, read by Phil Giganti, who we've. I heard his name before, I think. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, and it's uh, no art here yet, but it it looks like a date of September twelfth, twenty ten. Nice. Um, it does fun. show other stuff, sort of mixed in uh, different numbers, different different numbers in the series in different order. But uh, assuming that this one is correct, we're going to start seeing a lot of stainless steel rat showing up very soon. Well, that's great. Those yeah, are, those I, are I have not books. read a single one, so I, I you have I remember. not. Great. No, yeah. The, what I, I, what I, I just told you happens like on the first page, so I didn't yeah, ruin anything. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> but I um, yeah, they're they're funny. I'm kind of irreverent, you know. Really, yeah, really I'm, good. I've read. I used to have a book called the Stainless Steel Rat Trilogy. I think. Yeah. It was a paperback that I had, and uh, they're thin volumes, aren't they? There's what? They're thin volumes. Yes, there, there was three of them and maybe five hundred pages. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. That's just what I'm looking for. Nice, short, funny, old science fiction. Cool. Yep. Cool, cool. Actually, yes. uh, the zombies thing got me thinking about something that I started reading just uh, a couple days ago. I was at um, the local book, lo- local comic book store looking for more more comics, of course. And uh, I, I asked... I asked the proprietor, I said, any new Garth Ennison? And I said, no, no, nothing new. And I said, oh, well, any old Garth Ennison? And I looked through and I found one. And it's a, it's a, it's a sort of zombies one. It's called Crossed. 
Mm-hmm. And I started I started it uh, yesterday, the day before, and I'm about halfway through. It's very fun. It's uh, it, fun is maybe not the word for it. It's horrific <laughs> um, and interesting and full of great characters and the 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 alien invasion. No, not alien invasion. The the zombie zombification of of regular people seems to be some sort of infection. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of like more of a uh, the Crazies. Have you heard of that movie? No, I haven't. Uh, it's a George Romero movie from the 1970s um, about a uh, small town that gets um, a bunch of people start to go crazy, and then it turns out that the military has released a uh, accidentally released a virus that is called Trixie. That was you know supposed to be a biological warfare weapon, and the people are going crazy because it's in their water and. They're getting infected. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually just re-released it, uh, or not re-released it. They remade it recently, as they're doing with many movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very similar to that, but it actually reminded me quite a bit of the the, the, the sort of activities that these these crossed the uh, crazy people do. They're not undead. They're they're just crazy. Um, is more like the Reavers from from um, Firefly. Mm-hmm. You know, just really horrible, evil, yucky stuff. Uh-huh. But great characters, and the storytelling is a bit t- hard to follow at first, but that's because it uses uh, back and forth in time, and it doesn't indicate. You just sort of have to figure it out. It doesn't, you know, doesn't spell out, you know, 13 days ago or 13 weeks ago. They they just let it the story sort of tell itself, and Garth Ennis writes really good stuff. Good art, too. I'm looking cool. forward to Sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of movies from the seventies, I watched The Omega Man for the first time. Oh, you hadn't seen uh, that? No, I had never seen it. And I, I could see how it was uh, loosely based on I Am Legend, but um, if I recall, in I Am Legend, the, the I mean, the entire book was from this one guy's point of view, right? Yes. Yes. If, if I remember, okay, so I'm remembering it right. Then yeah, it's first um, in, the, in the Omega Man, the uh, zombie types are organized and there's like a religious type zealot at the head of them and um, I know none of that was in I Am Legend. Well there's a bit there's a bit I mean they really over expanded in the movie and they changed quite a few things but there's this girl that comes to him and he thinks that she's a uh, she's a person but she's really a zombie or whatever they are vampire and um in the in the sense that she is she is sort of an ambassador from them, uh, you well, know. It's not and they've quite got what this, happened there, though. No, but mm-hmm. you have to. It sort of goes off the rails, right? Okay. What happens mm-hmm. is it it turns into its own thing, and that happens with movies. But you can't tell that story uh, accurate. I mean, the Will Smith version isn't any more accurate, really. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sense of isolation that it gives at the beginning is very good. And it it has that very similarly, although done differently, very similar isolation uh, in the um, in the version you just saw, the Omega Man, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's a much more accurate version in the original um, one, the one with Vincent Price, The Last Man on Earth. That has it's much more faithful to the book at at the beginning, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's actually fairly faithful to the book. You might want to check that out. Okay, we'll do. But. Yeah, it's it's all all three of them are worth watching, and and as is the book is worth reading. Mm-hmm. Yep.
I like I like the I, I like the the idea of the title, the Omega Man, as well. It's a it's a fun title. Yeah, it is. It's a good good title. The last man, right? Mm-hmm. Omega Alpha yep. Two Omega, first mm-hmm. to last. Yep. Cool. So we got to read along next week, right? Yeah. Assam and Darjeeling. Mm-hmm. By T M Camp. I've just started it. Yeah, me as well. And uh, let's see, what do we have after that? We've got uh, it's August twenty third. We're going to do Earth Abides um, by George R. Stewart. And okay. then in it's kind of sep- interesting to talk about that after uh, I Am Legend. Yeah, actually, have, they're have, very similar. Yeah, it doesn't have vampires in it, but it does have uh, no. isolation in it. I have not read it before, so I'm looking forward to this. It's it's very highly regarded, I think. Oh yeah. And uh, the the audiobook version that we got in is uh, from Audible, but it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, got a, it's from Brilliance uh, on CD, and it's got a um, introduction by Connie Willis, and it's performed by Jonathan Davis. It should be great. Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to this a lot. Um, then uh, September, we're going to do uh, The Dying Earth. Yes, The Dying Earth by Jack Vance. That's going to be fun. Yep, and that's a fix-up novel. Very thin. Oh, I very didn't know thin. that. Yep. I didn't know. Fix-up. It is. Yep. Fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, in October, October we're going to yep. do Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. All right. I don't. I don't think I've ever read that. So you know, I've seen. I've read lots seen of versions. Many, of many versions. Here. Right. Yeah. There's about a can dozen. You, can you movies. find me a Doctor Who version of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde? Uh, you probably. Yes. Could. <laughs> I, I probably three or four. Probably. <laughs> yep. They'll go off the rails too. Hmm. Yep. Bring in time travel or whatever. But uh, I think the most recent version was a uh, uh, Michael Caine, 1990 or something. There, it's a Michael mm-hmm. Caine TV miniseries version. I think. Right. So that that's. Yeah, it's, and I uh, should mention that the Dying Earth is also a audiobook from Audible and uh, Brilliance. Great. Yep. Now, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Is there a, an audio version in particular that uh, leaps to mind? Uh, I have one. I don't have it in hand, but uh-huh. it is around here somewhere, and I'm going to use that one. Okay. Um, it is read by uh, our guy at Audio Realms, mm-hmm. uh, who I. Um, Totally forgetting his name, but he's the unforgettable narrator. Oh, Wayne uh, June. Wayne June. Yes. Yeah. Great. There it is. Here it is. I've got the details. Um, oh wow, that's going to be fantastic. Cheap. It's only ten bucks. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a uh, MP3 CD version as well as the CD version. There's an MP3 download version. Oh, it's not. It's Charles McKibben. Why am I thinking? Oh, okay. It's oh, I it's I thought it was Wayne June. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a Wayne June version as well. I mm-hmm. don't know. In any case, I've got a version, and I'm going to listen to that. Great. All right. I've also got a paper book uh, called The Essential, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the definitive annotated edition, and it is thoroughly annotated. Um, so annotated that it's probably there's probably more footnotes than there is text. Actual cool. story. Um, nice. I'm going to be pouring over this in the coming months mm-hmm. and um that's good uh, i i didn't uh think did you make a pick of the week um i i uh, didn't but i would i would have to say um netflix streaming is my pick of the week <laughs> because <laughs> what, what that's, is, that's how i found that how you got the omega man yeah because um 
man, it's 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 opening some doors in that um, you know I'm watching things that I don't think that I would have picked up. Like the Omega Man, I don't think it ever would have made it over the rail. <laughs> but, what do you mean over the rail? I mean uh, over the hump or whatever. It's like that one was over the always mountain? that was always one that I would want. You know, like number four instead of oh, I gotcha. One. You see, I just keep pushing it down the stack. Um, but on streaming, there it was, and I was like, "Yeah, let me check that out." So, well, you know, it's very arrogant of you to use this this because it's not available in Canada. Are you kidding me? Netflix is not available until the fall. Then oh, it's well, coming. Then, so then we'll just have to release this much later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we're getting Netflix is coming to Canada in. In September, I so think Netflix and Netflix nope. streaming, or just the I Netflix don't know about service. streaming, but okay. I do know about. But the, the Netflix service has been great. I think um, what a great idea! Whoever a, whoever yeah, it's a great runs idea. it is a it's a great idea. Because yeah, it's you're paying for it, you're getting it, and you're just saving that that shipping. But they they really will have to do that in Canada because our shipping system isn't as thoroughly subsidized for media mail. We don't have that option. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how they could afford to, you know, ship things. Well, I, I have really across. have no idea how they do it. I haven't looked into it, but the they are absolutely amazing now. Um, when, when they first started, I signed up, and I was having trouble getting what I wanted and things. It, mm-hmm. They were brand new. And then I quit for a while, and then I rejoined, and then I was able to get what I wanted, and it took about two or three days to get it. But now, I send a DVD back... And the next one is on its way the next day, and then it only takes a day to get here. So it's like they must have distribution hey, centers several all over the yeah. United States, and there's something within a day's mail of of my town. So they're probably it's they're really probably incredible, really incredible. parking themselves in uh, in the yeah, local. I th- I'm pretty sure there's a guy. I'm, I think they have a guy in my uh, mailbox. When, oh, I, go, a guy when in, I go in and mail? drop us off, I think there's a guy in there who scans it. He sand scans the barcode, and then they say uh, uh, he he phones the guys up somewhere and says, "Mail him the next one." Because it's, uh, uh, indistinguishable from magic, hey? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Some kind well, of uh, that sounds pretty darn good. I wish I wish there was a Netflix service for comic books because wow. I would definitely go for that. That'd be a good idea. Um. Maybe maybe we should start that after this podcast. Mm-hmm. Start set up uh, comic flicks. No, that doesn't quite work. Well, keep working on the name. I'm going to pick uh, Crossed Volume One uh, from Garth Ennis Garth and Ennis, yeah. Burroughs. Um, All right, now, not for, not for little you, children. Are you shocked to to know that I don't think I've ever read anything by Garth Ennis? I'm not shocked, but I think that's because you're not reading reading comics. comics. Yeah. yeah. So if you have uh, uh, a first one that. Um, Hey, if you want to try a Garth Ennis, try this. No, don't, don't, don't pick crossed because that will, uh, you'll be unable to read any anything ever again. You have to, start, you have to slowly build your your tolerance. Oh, I see. He does some very grim and gruesome things. Oh, does he? Oh yes. Um, uh, I think the the guy in the comic book story said, "I said, how is this one?" Because sometimes he he does he does so many comics, and I say. How is this one? Did he, you know, did he come up with the idea for this one? Uh, when he does, you know, stuff for hire, as it were, it's it can sometimes just be passable. Mm-hmm. But he owns the title, and it's his idea. It tends to work out really well. And and he said, well, uh, Garth Garth goes, he tries to disgust himself. And I said, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that's pretty strong. And it, it is, it is 
It says, here's the description, horrifically visceral. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and uh, it gut-wrenching, yes, and disturbing, yes, all that stuff is true. All and right. it's, not just, it's not just visually disturbing, it's also the ideas and what people, you know, mm-hmm. I guess, what it would really be like uh, if you were in that situation. It's, it's uh, frightening. Mm-hmm. Frightening and and very fun to you say. Oh, glad this is just in this book. <laughs> Back to my. Mor- I'll go get a cup of coffee. The electricity mm-hmm. still works, you know. Yeah. But yeah, if if you were going to go with a first Garth Ennis, um, you could try. There's a couple. There's uh, a very very tame, very fun uh, series called Hitman. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't sound very tame, but it's a DC Comics old older series. Uh, set in the DC universe, so Batman exists there, and uh, he's he's just an Irish dude who has semi superpowers, and he lives in New York, and he gets into trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, his his most famous one, uh, I think, was going to be an HBO series that never happened. Uh, that's called Preacher, mm-hmm. and that's about a uh, uh, a pastor, I guess, who he's not. I don't think he's a Catholic priest. He's just a He's a pastor, but he's got the collar, and he he. No, wait a minute! I think you may have sent me one of those once. That's possible. That's possible. Yeah. Maybe you have read a Garth Ennis. That... I have that read a Garth Ennis, and I'm a, I'm a veteran now. <laughs> no, I've I've read something called Scarred for Life. Something called Preacher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just sort of a generic title, but mm-hmm. it's about a it's about a, a, a Texas preacher who who loses his faith uh, because he knows God exists and and God's on vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's letting all this evil into the world, so he, he's on a mission to kick God's ass. Um, and uh, he's got a pal who's a vampire. Uh, yeah, I did read an it. Irish vampire. I read, who I read one. I assume there are many, but yeah, I read one. Yeah, it's a long, long-running series. It's very grim and gruesome and very, very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite Garth Ennis stuff is actually his um, his war stuff. He's he's done a series called War Story. And um, he's currently doing one called Battles, Battlefields. And those are generally fairly accurate historical uh, World War II battles uh, and World War II situations. So he did uh, something on the D-Day Dodgers. That's the, the invasion of um, Italy uh, in 1943. He, uh, he's done the Russian Front. He's done um, uh, the Atl- war in the Atlantic and... Uh, he did a oh I, I actually recommended one on another podcast at one point um, so yeah check out mm-hmm. some Garth Ennis but yeah you might need to read around to find something that's uh, going to be acceptable for your your different tastes because he is he is an acquired taste I think mm-hmm. but he's so such a great writer such a great writer he's completely different from Neil Gaiman but uh, I really only read two people in comics and that's Neil Gaiman and Garth Ennis. And they're completely different, but they're both great writers. Yeah, I still haven't uh, finished all of the um, Neil Gaiman Sandman's. I've got some. Oh, well, at least you're working on them. Yep, I am working on them. Yep, slow, fun. slow but sure. Yeah, I think they're terrific. Thick. Really, very amazing. literary. Very, very, very literary. Yeah, really good stuff. And, and you know, teens can get into them too, which is kind of you know, it's very, um, it's surprisingly accessible. Uh huh. Oh, it, it feels like Shakespeare. I mean, he, he even does some Shakespeare stuff in there, right? It's, it's, um, it's deep and it's, it's never the same, but it's mm-hmm. always the same. It's got this timelessness to it, right? 
This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. Thank you.